Today's episode of Face Versa, we're talking about how many Cadillac dealers don't want to sell electric cars, Tesla and the right to repair, Tesla giving the deadline to the Roadster referral discount for winners, like myself, Toyota's all-new electric SUV, and an EV that can go 1,000 miles. And today, I'm joined, as usual, by my partner in crime, Ricky from 2-Bit Da Vinci. How you doing, Ricky? Thanks, Matt. And thank you for rubbing in your roadster in my face. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so let's get started and talk about the first topic of the day, which is that Cadillac, as of now, and this is a follow-up to a story we did uh, two episodes ago, where Cadillac was offering to buy out the, um, GM was offering to buy out the Cadillac portion of various franchisees. And um, so far they have taken up 150 people on the offer. So we brought this up two weeks ago because this is a story that the way the press had covered it made it sound like GM was kind of bailing and they were trying to offload their Cadillac division and stuff. But really, I think what it showed was we are building EVs and you can get on board or not, but we're gonna go full speed ahead. And clearly, 150 people so far have decided they don't want them. And I was thinking about why that might be. So, Matt, think about this. If, let's say you're a prospect buyer and you go in to buy like a Chevy or a GMC or a Cadillac. And now there's a Lyric or whatever that ends up being that's electric and someone goes to test drive it. And, oh, that's electric and those are backordered. They're not going to be available for six months, but we'll take your $100 deposit today. So they're losing customers potentially. So there might be a reason why... They don't want that. And especially, I predict that GM will not be as profitable on Cadillac and the EVs for a while, especially when you got Tesla. So trying to be price competitive, I think they're going to have to really eat into their margins. And so what they're telling their franchisees, the dealers who sell their cars is, I know you thought you'd get a couple of thousand when you sold each car. What if we told you you're going to get a couple of hundred for a while? No one's going to want to go for that. But all that said, GM's going ahead and they've bought out 150 people from the, yeah. the reason for the need to have to sell EVs. Yeah, it's it's it, to me when we talked about this before, it like was kind of like a I don't I didn't know if it was a right thing to do, but it is kind of a good thing for them to transition as many of these people out of the picture as they can. And in the article it was reported that uh, most of the ones that exited uh, have more than one dealership. So they either are, they also have Chevy, Buick, or GMC, and Cadillac wasn't the lion's share of their business anyway. So moving out of that business for them was not a loss at all. But for Cadillac, they're actually gaining more control over their future destiny, which is a good thing. So I think in the long run, this is going to be the right move, but it's still an awkward thing we're watching play out right now. <laughs> yeah, long term, I think they're going to have the control they need and other people should be kind of watching what they're doing in terms of how to do this. I'm not. I'm sure they're not the only ones having this kind of moment. So yeah, it's good to see that they're doing it, and hopefully that means that in the future we're going to have more EVs and other people will follow suit. Yep, absolutely. So next up is uh, Tesla releasing the service manuals, diagnostic tools, and more for free, and this is part of the whole. Uh, right to repair movement. And for me, I, in Massachusetts, I think I brought this up in a previous episode, here in Massachusetts for the election, there was a vote for the right to repair that would force dealers and car makers to allow access for third parties to the diagnostic tools. And in Massachusetts, it passed with a pretty high margin. 
Uh, so this does not shock me because the, it's it's the law now in several places around the world. So they kind of had to do this. But what I found the most interesting about the story was this was discovered by a hacker of the Tesla community hacking group. And they discovered that to get it for free, you have to register on the Chinese Tesla service site to get them for free. But for the US version, you still have to pay something like $100 or something like that to get in which is really, really strange. But once you're in, you can access it from the US site as well. And you have access to the diagnostic tools and all that kind of stuff. So for me, this is this is pretty exciting. I'm glad that they're doing this. Yeah, I think you mentioned 100 bucks. Isn't it $100 per hour, I thought? Yes. Or for one it's, hour? It's $100 so it's, per hour. <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, not, not an affordable thing. And by the way, I think the two gripes that I've historically had about Tesla, I love Tesla. I'm a huge fan, big investor in, in their stock. But the two things that bug me are FSD price hikes, which we've talked about before. And the second thing is the right to repair aspect, right? Apple, mm -hmm. which I also am a fan of, sells $1,000 things. And if you can't repair those, that's one thing. But a $60,000 item that I can't repair is a different kind of a thing. So really good news. It shows you that Tesla kind of comes out and says, hey, we hope you'll pay, you'll pass, you'll say no to the measure, which didn't happen. People in Massachusetts did vote for it, which... Bravo. That's one of the cool things about the state. And they'll they'll play ball. Interestingly, I think the reason why that the reason for the Chinese aspect where they had to come in from like a Chinese domain or like a VPN, or whatever that was. Yeah, I think it's because if you think about how China operates for you to sell a car in China, you have to have like a subsidiary in China. China's like incredibly like controlling about their economy. Tesla's one of the few examples. I can't actually think of another where they they don't have tesla of china llc or something like they don't have that they sell cars in china as an american company which is kind of cool so maybe this is one of those deals that they they brokered and said look we'll we'll really open up repairs and maintenance and we'll allow chinese companies to do all the repair work and we'll have a big network and make it totally like transparent maybe that was part of the deal because yeah it's an american company selling these cars but we'll still grow our economy with repairs and maintenance and stuff all right, this one, uh, I'm not jealous at all. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an envious type, but uh, <laughs> Mr. Farrell has a Roadster. I do not. I always tell my wife, I kick myself for not having bought my Tesla sooner because if, if I wasn't stupid and I just bought it a year earlier, I'd have one too. But this is probably exciting and good news, especially for a lot of you guys. There's probably some people in this chat right now. I know you are, and there's a lot of people in the community who are in line to get that referral Roadster. And so what they're showing is they kind of had this deadline like, hey, do you want your Roadster or not? And they're, they're showing up on people's boards. Do you have your Roadster on your, on your list of vehicles now? I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I hate you. I mean, I, you're, you're, my, you're a good friend. You're a good person. Um, yeah. So what this tells me is, are they like preparing to make the Roadster? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. To my mind, I was thinking the Y is you know, ramping up. They've got Cybertruck, which probably is a larger volume thing than, than Roadster. Although I predict the Cybertruck, the Plaid Model S, and the Roadster are all going to use the new Roadrunner, the new, uh, the new big cells that Tesla will be making themselves. So maybe they're they're going to have that line built up to a level that they can support it um, sooner than people thought. That's probably good news for everybody involved. They've been pretty quiet otherwise. There wasn't really an announcement or a reveal. They don't have like the Roadster, for, you know, like up on their website and anything bold. So I'm not sure, but 
to me, it seems like maybe the Roadster is going to surprise people and be available sooner than we thought. Well, Elon's always said it's dessert. It's not the main course. And so all the other stuff is going to take priority over it. And I think it was in the Q2 call that he had said something about the Roadster being in 12 to 18 months, which would put the Roadster at the earliest mid-year next year. I think it's most likely going to be the end of the next year. But um, just like the article, like the this email, I got one of these emails. But before this email, I got one that was a little alarming. <laughs> it just said... It was a Tesla paid the $5,000 down payment for your, I earned a, f a full free Roadster. And so I got an email that said they've put the $5,000 down towards it. And I was supposed to wire them $245,000 by December 10th. And in the email, it had the bank information, the wiring information, all the kind of stuff. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so I started was reaching this a great uncle of yours from Nigeria, by the way, because <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've gotten that one before. <laughs> well, I, I reached out to, um, I actually reached out to Ben Sullins because I know he's gotten two and he said, don't worry about it. He got that same email that when it was put into his account, it just automatically triggered it. So that's why I got it. And then a few days later, I got the one that was in the electric article, which was, I had also earned enough money to, for 22% off a second roadster. <laughs> which would still make it $195,000 out of pocket. <laughs> so I got a second email and then a third email saying, ignore the first email. And then the second one, you have to let us know if you want the 22% off. So it was, it was, yeah, I uh, guess the way it worked was you were actually building up uh, yeah. the discount. And yeah. when you hit a certain level, it became free and potentially you might've, you basically had 1.73 roadsters or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I will say, Matt, my birthday is in March. So just, <laughs> just thrown out there. Um. <laughs> well, the one thing about it, though, is like you got to think it's like it's not free. It's like I still have to pay income tax on this prize, which counts as my income. So it's like they're giving me a quarter of a million dollar car. I'm going to have to pay income taxes on a quarter million dollars. So it's it's not it's not free, but. I'm not going to complain too much because it's still an amazing car. I cannot wait to get my hands on. So if they want to give it to me in the middle of next year, I will take it. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like we need to be keeping our eye out. Maybe they'll have news about deliveries sooner than we think. Yeah, I hope so. Which is crazy because Cybertruck, I think, is going to be a little bit delayed potentially. So I don't know how they're going to manage all of it, but yeah. exciting, exciting times. Yep. What do we got next? So up next, Toyota announces a new all-electric SUV and says it's their first step for battery electric cars. And this one, this one's interesting to me because it's it's based on their new what is it called the eTinga platform, the eTNGA platform. It's their it's all the car manufacturers are coming out with their own platforms for their EV structures and their battery packs, and this is based on their platform. Uh, the thing about Toyota is that they have they've doubled and tripled down into fuel cells. And so this is their first all electric SUV that they're bringing to market. And at first blush, you might say, hey, that's great because they're finally doing it. But this SUV is only going to be in the European market, which really kind of makes you feel like this could potentially be just a compliance car because in Europe, they're banning gasoline cars. So this could just be a way for them to satisfy that that requirement for Europe and here in the United States, we don't have something like that yet. So that's maybe why it's not coming here, which really just kind of makes you feel like Toyota still, at least to me, still doesn't get it. It feels like they're still 
they're still playing the old game and they're still going down f fuel cells. A decade ago, 15 years ago, fuel cells looked like they could be the future because battery electric cars were really nowhere yet. Fuel cells were kind of a nice swap from gasoline into something that's cleaner. But battery electric vehicles came on the scene so fast with Tesla and they have gained so much steam, so much range. Fuel cells time has passed and the fact that they're holding on to it and not giving up on it for passenger cars is just so strange to me. And, and this, while on one side it's good news they're finally releasing an electric vehicle SUV, it's also just a they're only doing it halfway. So it's, it's kind of concerning to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a, a good news situation where Toyota, who is a really important manufacturer of cars, let's, let's not, you know, mince words, but yeah, the fact that they're only doing it in Europe makes me think compliance car. But, you know, the ID3 was Europe only, and then it was followed up by the ID4 for North America because the European market and the American market are just different. If you were building a platform and you're building an electric car, uh, it is conceivable that you have plans of releasing a car for Europe and then you'll spin off something a little bit different for the American market. Um, European roads are crazy small and, and the, the desires for people and what they're looking for in their car is just different. So I'm not giving up hope yet. I think they might finally figure this out, but part of their problem is in North America, people love Toyota in the US, they sell a ton of them. And that's why I've always mentioned of the big three, like think of like Honda, Toyota, and then like VW, Honda and Toyota are gonna be the ones that are in trouble because they have a lot of business. They do a lot of sales in North America and North America is kind of lagging behind a bit. Whereas Europe is on the cutting edge of banning these ICE cars. So VW got the message early and I think they were really got a kick in the butt with Dieselgate. And, you know, mm -hmm. they've been, you know, as a result of that, they let me have Electrify America. They have all these different types of interest in electric vehicles today. So I guess let's be hopeful and, and maybe there's some, optimism to be had um i'm not really sure i do yeah the the compliance thing does creep up again because there's not really anything else um to kind of look at as as progress in their front but let's hope they kill a lot of this investment in in hydrogen fuel cells because it hasn't gotten them really anywhere and i don't think or at least make a good looking one how about that make an attractive <laughs> like desirable hydrogen fuel cell car and then we'll talk until then like the mirai is just it's hideous and have you seen what Tesla's doing? What are you What are you thinking? Anyway, yeah, to me it just seems like a weird, kind of a half measure. But let's hope that they that they are serious. Yeah, I mean, to push back on one point you made, uh, the United States is all SUVs and trucks. We're huge cars. Where in Europe they tend to be smaller cars, which is part of why the ID three was Europe only because it's a smaller kind of hatchback kind of crossover car. But the ID4 is a full-on SUV, which is here. Makes sense. If this is a full-on SUV, why would it not be coming to the United States? That's my one thing of, they're starting with an SUV, so you would think that this would be a prime for the United States, but it's not, yeah. which is concerning. Good point. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's a tiny SUV. I don't know. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it could, it could be well, like was... an ID3. It could be a smaller kind of crossover because they haven't shown in... us what it is yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> when I when I was in Europe, we went to Spain, and I asked for an SUV. I got a Fiat Panda. Do you know, do you know what that oh is? Those are so small. <laughs> it's the worst car I've ever driven. It was like a like a brand new car with ten thousand miles. Nothing worked. It was terrible, and it was tiny. It was not an SUV. It was like the size of a Honda Fit in America. So maybe that. I don't know. Yeah, good point. <laughs> 
All right, so the next one up is uh, you. So let's take a look yes, at this. This is near and dear because I actually followed the company before they kind of shuttered for a while. This is Aptera, and they are unveiling and beginning the process of taking reservations for their vision of the future of kind of a commuting electric vehicle. And looking at this thing, I it reminds me of the Elio Motors car. I don't know anybody who's watching. Let me know in the comments if you guys remember Elio Motors. It was this really cool, it was a gas car uh, from 10, 12 years ago, but it would get 85 miles a gallon. And the reason they were able to do that is because the aerodynamics of the car, the drag coefficient and the frontal area was so tiny that it could deliver triple the efficiency of a gas car. This with Aptera is the same story with an electric vehicle. So this car will go three times as far as your like Model 3, for example. So you can go 250 miles with just a 25 kilowatt hour battery pack. Or put another way, if you were to go full bore and get a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, you can go 1,000 miles, which is pretty amazing, right? And so that efficiency is all from the, look at that, look at that thing. It looks like a teardrop. It's just beautiful. <laughs> and designed clearly for for optimum efficiency. So the cool thing is charging it will also be quicker. Even if you were to charge it at like a level two charger, you'd be charging it three times as fast because each kilowatt hour would be three times the mileage, right? So charging it is faster, travel you can travel longer, and there's an optional solar panel package, which again, because of the three times range, you remember Elon mentioned for the Cybertruck, 15 miles of range if you have the Cybertruck with the solar panels on it. Well, triple that, 45 miles, and that's what you can get in one day with the Aptera. So we're talking about a car that you might never have to plug in again. You just leave it outside, especially like in San Diego. And for you where you live, Matt, maybe half the year, eight months out of the year, you might not even have to charge your car. Isn't that pretty crazy? Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I'd be all over that. This, this car is so fascinating to me because on one hand it gets me super excited here's a car that's pushing the boundaries of what you can do for aerodynamics to really make the motors get the most out of that battery pack it's just absolutely astounding and the flip side of it it looks like a light cycle from tron <laughs> and it's like to me it's like who is the market for this because i don't see this being a mainstream car it's like i just don't people think the cyber truck is divisive it's like this is going to be just as divisive. I just don't see this being a mainstream car, but I love, love seeing how they're pushing the boundaries here and they're doing something different and they're showing you what electric cars are capable of with today's te technology, which is just super cool. Yeah, good point. And you got to remember, so I mentioned this company gave this a try about 12, 15 years ago. It didn't really work out. They were early. The batteries were just too heavy, not as energy dense, and too expensive to really make it feasible. But you can imagine this car would have made a ton more sense back then. Yeah. But today we have, you know, a, a standard range plus Model Three is about forty thousand. This car, if it comes in around twenty-five thousand, and those numbers are early, it might creep up a little bit, I'd imagine. So it's not that much more money for like a normal five-seater sedan. So their time might have kind of closed that window they had but at the same time it is a $25,000 ish car and there will be people for whom it makes sense I mean <clears throat> I do think that the number of commuting people commuting will decrease I don't think we'll ever go back to the level that we did pre-COVID but there will be still be people commuting and this will be one of the most efficient ways of doing it so yeah there's a it's a mixed feeling I do think and also just the like the safety aspect I remember I was in a live call they had a little live Q&A 
And most of the questions were like, what happens in a crash or something? It, there, it's a fair <laughs> point. The Model 3 is the safest car you can buy. And now I'm going to give that up to drive this. That that might be a tough sell for some people. Yeah. But a thousand miles, man. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's incredible. And they did that for a reason. But what's funny is I actually don't know where they put all those batteries. The car is tiny. The floor is very yeah. contoured. And you're telling me you're going to put 100 kilowatt hours of batteries in that thing? You know, the the Model S, the floor of it without double stacking it, um, kind of was pushing the limit of that. I don't know where the batteries would go. I kind of think they made that for marketing's sake. Like, yeah. imagine if we took our batteries and you scaled it to the size of your traditional cars you were buying today, that would go a thousand miles kind of a thing. I doubt they'd actually ever make it. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it would be fun to drive. It would be very heavy and I don't know. There's, there's, just, we'll there's, there's something about car design. It's been the same for a hundred years, but now that we're going electric, it opens up the possibilities of what you can do with a car because you don't have to have this gigantic engine strapped to the front or the back of the car. And so seeing a car like this, which is so radically different, the Cybertruck, which is so radically different, there's going to be a lot of resistance to too much change too fast because we're so used to what cars are supposed to look like. But in time, it's going to be crazy to think like 30 years from now, 50 years from now, what are cars going to look like? They're going to look radically different from what we see today. They're just going to be a box on wheels. There's not going to be really a front or a back. It's just going to be kind of a, a thing that you just get in and it takes you where you need to go and you get out. I can't, it's, it's just, it's, there's something so sci-fi about it that I just absolutely love. Yeah, Matt, and don't worry, by the way, for your harsh uh, Massachusetts winners, there's an all-wheel drive option where all the wheels are powered. <laughs> and that wouldn't have been possible before. Like the Elia was a rear-wheel drive because you'd have like a, maybe yeah. a chain. I'm not sure how they had a little, uh, maybe to power the rear wheel, but this has in-wheel motors and stuff. To your point about what is possible with EVs, and yeah, I can't wait to see what other ideas emerge. Yeah. The robo-taxi, the idea of a robo-taxi to me, like what would be the perfect robo-taxi car? I'm, I think it'd be like, you know, maybe something cut into pieces where you can have different passengers at the same time, they wouldn't even see each other. You'd have, have your own little private space and each door would open for, I don't know. I, I think it's just fascinating to think about what, what the future might hold. The next up is our last story, which is GM reveals a working Hummer EV. <laughs> it's like they finally... By the way, we have Matt Farrell to thank for this one because yeah. until they heard Vice Versa Episode 1 and they heard Matt going on, <laughs> I think they had, had no plans of doing this. So Matt, thank you for that. Yeah. What, what I love about this is I have to eat a little bit of humble pie because, I mean, you, you said that they're good at building cars and they will probably hit their proposed timeline for making this thing. And I just love that GM came out and just released a video showing like, hey, no, this thing works. We got a working prototype now. So it's like, it's great that they finally kind of came out and did this. But it's like, if you were this close to having a working prototype, why didn't you just wait a few months and then just make the announcement now? It's like, you've got it. You should do the announcement right now. But this does give me a lot more hope that this will actually come out next year when they were saying it's going to come out. So bravo to you for, for calling it out and saying, look at this. I think they did. <laughs> That's so funny. Maybe LeBron James was busy and they had to like rush it in so he could <laughs> have time to record the commercials. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But, but they are still early. There's a long ways to go. So you're still, what you said makes sense. I mean, yeah. they're building it now, but I mean, there's miles and miles to go before they're ready to sell this thing so let's see what happens but again this is part of that ultium battery stack we talked about it's all kind of connected gm i gotta tell you 
they're impressing me. I, I really do think they're taking this seriously. And um, I hope them, I hope them all the best. I can't wait to see these on the road and actually like, like in camouflage and stuff. People yeah. have seen Cybertrucks on the road already, like, like a year ago, right? Yeah. So imagine how cool that'll be to see like the EV Hummer out and about and like in some camo, that'll be cool. This is the show, we have a podcast as well. And uh, we go live every Thursday at five o'clock Pacific time. Thanks for watching everybody and make sure you check out viceversa.show if you wanna to listen to the audio podcast and subscribe and hit that notification bell. But I'm assuming most of you guys who are watching it right now already are, cause you're here. And thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next one.